Okay, so Acts chapter number 11, and I want to start by reading verse 19 through 26. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, when, uh, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was it glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Saul, uh, departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. I want, in this text, I want you to take a look tonight at the man Barnabas. And we'll look also at a number of other verses in the book of Acts uh, tonight as we look at some scripture concerning this man. Uh, but Barnabas' life was characterized by one very significant trait. Uh, Barnabas was known as an encourager. Amen. Amen. In fact, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36, it tells us that his original name was Joseph, but the apostles surnamed him Barnabas, which means son of the consolation or son of encouragement. And uh, truly, he was, he was a man of encouragement, and uh, he was given a name amongst Christians to fit that character because he was known to be an encourager. And I'll tell you what, folks, we desperately need some godly men and some godly women that are willing to rise up and determine, determine that I'm going to be a Barney, amen? amen. Uh, not a Barney Fife, not Barney the Purple Dinosaur, Brother Sammy, okay? But Barnabas in the Bible, amen? We need some Barneys like the Barney in the Bible. And uh, son of encouragement, amen? Uh, we have been uh, looking at um, some of these traits of Barnabas uh, throughout the week in our, during our family altar time. And I'll tell you, it's, it's spoken to my heart, and I can see it's spoken to some of the hearts of my children as well, um, as I've seen them apply the Word of God in their lives, and about how important it is for us as Christians to be encouragers, amen? I mean, you think about it for just a minute. I, I know it's always easier for us to be pessimistic, isn't it? It's always easier for us to view the glass as half empty. And I can remember as a kid, somebody... Uh, one of my dad's friends came up and asked me the question, is this glass half full or half empty? Well, you know what I told him? It's half empty. <laughs> I'm prone to that myself. But you know what? God wants us to be known as an optimistic, encouraging people. That's the way God wants us to be seen. I mean, we look at the Apostle Paul, even in prison, what was he doing? I mean, he just got beaten. He got just thrown down in the dungeons, locked up in the stocks, and we don't find him crying out. We don't find him in pessimism and desolation and despair. We find him raising his hands to God and praising the Lord and, and praying unto God there even in the prison. 
had such an optimistic spirit about himself. I believe he was also a man of encouragement as well. Uh, but God wants us to be a people of encouragement. And um, truly, you know, as I think about this, what do we need most? We can think about this personally. What do we need most when we feel down and we feel discouraged? Sure. We need encouragement, right, Man. Brother Darrell? I mean, uh, we, we need someone to just come alongside of us and to, to just lift us up and encourage us, amen? And oh, how often we need that, especially with it, amongst us as Christians, we need a fellow brother or a fellow sister to come alongside and to just lift us up and encourage us in the Lord, amen? We need errands and herds that can come alongside and lift up those weary right. hands like amen. they did for Moses, amen? Right. We need a Joshua and a Caleb that are willing to come back and bring a good report and say, right. we can still do it, amen, because amen. God is on our side. Right. We need a David who sees God's people cowering in their tents before an enemy, and he cries out, is there not a cause? Right. Are we not yeah. enough? Is not God greater because God's on our side, amen? amen. We need some good Samaritans. Right. We'll meet the downtrodden where they are and lift them up and bind up their wounds. We need some Ruths who will stick it out with the brokenhearted and grieving and show them some love and kindness yeah. of God. And we need some Barneys who will be those sons of encouragement. And you know, folks, the wonderful truth is that this is not something for an exclusive group of people, is it? Right. But this, this ministry of encouragement, if that's what you want to call it, this is a ministry that every one of us as Christians can have. In fact, it's one that every one of us Christians should participate in. Amen. We ought to all be sons of encouragement. No one here is disqualified from being an encourager. And in fact, I think it may be one of the greatest things any one of us could do. You know, sometimes people think, well, if I could only preach, if I could only sing, if I could only teach a Sunday school class, or if I could only do this, or if I could only do that. And you turn to the book of Corinthians in chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, and <laughs> it talks about all these uh, great spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues and prophesying and doing all these great things. And, and it says, and yet without charity, they're nothing. Right. I mean, think about that, folks. If, if, if we've got even these greatest things and we can't be that loving, kind, encouraging type of people that, that God wants us to be, we're missing the mark. We must be a people of encouragement. And I would dare say this might even be the most important ministry all of us in this building had to have together tonight. Yeah. To encourage each other. You know, we live in a dark world, don't we? We live in a very wicked place. We live in a dreary, discouraging, and depressing place. Right. Hey, listen, the world doesn't need to see us as adding upon that discouragement. We need to be a little light in a dark place. Yeah. When they see us, they need to find some encouragement because we are different because Christ lives in us. Yeah. And you know what? It ought to be even more so that way in the church. When we come in, I mean, we ought to be lifting each other up. Amen. Because I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of things outside the walls of this building that can get us down. Yeah. 
This is a place of refreshing. This is a place where we ought to be revived. This is a place where we ought to be encouraged, where we ought to be strengthened in the Lord. Amen. Amen. And we ought to come here. We ought to find that from the preaching of God's word. We ought to find that from the singing of the songs. And we ought to find that with the words of encouragement that are again granted one to another from brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, we ought to be a Barney. Amen. Yeah. And we ought a purpose to be a Barney. And so I want us tonight to just pause for a second and think about what this means and examine Barnabas' life and how he was used to encourage those around him. And may God speak to our hearts as well that we would be willing to partake in this because you know what? There's no one too old in here and there's no one too young in here to participate in this. Everyone in the building can have this ministry that Barnabas had to be a, have a ministry of encouragement one to another, Amen. And I'll tell you what, we need it. And the worse this world gets, the more we're going to need it. Because as it gets worse and worse out there, we're going to need more and more encouragement in here, one from another. Amen. And so may the Lord speak to our hearts and help us from the word of God tonight. I want you to notice as we think about how he was used to be an encourager. First of all, I see that he was an encouragement through his character. Uh, Look with me, if you would, at chapter 11. And I want to, we already read these uh, verse 19 through 26, but I want to specifically read verse 24 again. And it says, talking about Barnabas, it says, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. So first of all, I want you to notice that Barnabas's character Uh, In verse 24, it tells us that he was a very godly man. He was described as a good man. He was described as full of the Holy Ghost. And he was described as full of faith. (laughs) Now, don't you dare think that you're going to be encouragement to other Christians when you're unspiritual. Amen. If you're not full of the Spirit of God, you cannot be that encouragement that you need to be to them. If you're unspiritual, you cannot help them. Listen, don't think that you can help your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ when you're walking in unbelief. This man was full of the Holy Ghost, but also full of faith. And because of those things, he was able to be a great encouragement to the people that were around him. Don't think you can walk in disbelief and faithlessness and that you can help those around you. That in itself is discouraging. Just for others to look at you and see that they don't care about spiritual things. To see that they don't care about walking by faith and trusting in God and just believing. They don't care about that. That in itself is a discouragement. We've got to have these type of characteristics. A good man, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith. And truly, one of the greatest ways we can be an encouragement to others, think about this, folks, is to faithfully live out our faith and just plod on for Jesus. What a blessing it is to just know somebody's going to do that. I mean, think about that. How encouraging is it just to watch a Christian live out their testimony and to see and to know that come what may, you will still find that individual faithfully plodding on. Letting their light shine for Christ and just living for Jesus with all their heart. I mean, that's a blessing, isn't it? I mean, how encouraging is it to know that, you know, there's some people 
uh, that if they're not sick, they're going to be in this church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, anytime the doors are open, they're going to be here because they love the Lord and they love God's people. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't it encouraging when you see somebody and, you know, they've surrendered to the ministry and they've surrendered to do what God wants with their life? And come what may, you can watch that individual. You say, you know what? This doesn't matter what happens. That person's going to serve God. That person is going to be faithful. What a blessing it is to see that. Something you can just look at and you say, you know what? I don't care what happens. I know they are going to just keep on serving Jesus. But you know what? You look at the opposite of that. Likewise, it is discouraging, is it not? When you see those who are no longer serving him or living for him like they should. You know how full this church should be tonight? Wow, it's good. Isn't that discouraging? Amen. You know how encouraging it would be if all God's people showed up tonight that should wow. be here? It's good. You see what I'm saying? It's good. It's good preaching. You know what? Uh, I've... It grieves your heart when you think about it like that. That's Amen. It really is one of the best ways we can encourage one another in the Lord is just be faithful, living for wow. God, Christian. Amen. Just do what you know he wants you to do because when you get sidetracked with other things, it does not encourage the people of God. You know what? When we show up for church, I'm not the only one that notices empty seats. Wow. Every single one of you do as well. It has an effect. It has an impact on you. Oh, may God help us just to determine with all our hearts to live for Jesus, to honor him, and to be faithful, that we might be a Barnabas, to be an encourager to others. You know, I also think about numerous individuals through the years that I've been in the ministry. There's been a number of people that I have watched, and they have served in the ministry, some of them for many years. Then all of a sudden, they get sidetracked, and they're out, and you never see them go back again. Sure, they're in church somewhere or something, but they're no longer serving God. They're no longer in the ministry. Well, I'll tell you what, that's discouraging. There was times when I'd come back on, on deputation. We see that with some of the churches that supported us. Some of the, the pastors just gave up. Some of them got, uh, got into marital problems. Some of them got into sin. Some of them uh, just threw in the white flag and gave up. As a missionary coming back, it was discouraging. If Chad and Vicki haven't already experienced that some, to some degree, they're going to, and they're going to find it to be the same thing. And then on the other hand, you see those who, how many that I've met, that they were strong, they were just fervent for God, and on fire for God, and then you come back and you find out they've compromised. And they don't, just don't care to live for the Lord like they did once before. Now they've become worldly and really live a life like no Christian really ought to. I remember one missionary that, that was on, on deputation with us. I mean, out of a fundamental church. I mean, seemed to just have a heart for God. I mean, he went to one church, and because he was the older man there, they had him preach the conference. And boy, he just let it rip, preached hellfire and brimstone on, on, on the judgment of God and on hell and all that good stuff. And I was thinking, man, that was fiery. He went to the mission field and came back in like less than a year, took a Southern Baptist church. And I've talked about this man before. I don't mention him by name. But the last pictures I saw of him, he 
had steam coming up from the sides of the pulpit with ripped jeans and an, an untucked shirt and had the rock scene type of thing going on in the Southern Baptist Church that he had taken. It wasn't long after that he was advertising his new tattoo and you start wondering to yourself, really, please? Have you not opened the book? Right. Amen. I mean, come on. You look at that, though, Christians, and you know, I'm not the only one like this because I know I've heard stories from you as well about people you know or people you grew up in church with or, or people that you saw in other ministries you've been involved with. And it's discouraging when you see that they don't care to go on for God. But on the opposite, as we talked about, when you see those that, I mean, just come what may, they're going to just keep on for God. Boy, what an encouragement that is, isn't it? That's the spirit of Barnabas. That's what God wants to see to us. Maybe, maybe more than anything else, one of the greatest things we could simply do is just say, I'm just going on for Jesus, and come what may, I'm going to just keep pressing on and living for him with all my heart. And I know when I do that, I'm going to be an encouragement for every one of you in here. Amen. And you know what? It's not just you. Because you know what? I know without a doubt, I've got people in Ukraine that are watching my family. I've got people in all the churches up and down the East Coast that supported our family as missionaries. They're still watching our family. Right. They're wondering what's going to happen with our family. You know what? If I got out of the ministry, if I threw in the, the towel today, guess what? There'd be a whole lot of people that would say, man, that's discouraging. Right. You see what I'm saying, folks? It's not just me. There's a circle of influence around every single one of you. You have the opportunity with the way you live your life to be an encouragement to those that you influence or a discouragement to them. May we be that Barnabas, amen? May we be an encouragement. So notice through his character, he was able to do this. Also, I see through his conduct, he was able to do this. Look at chapter four. Of Acts, verse 37, 36 and 37. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite in the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas was known by a giving, caring, and encouraging spirit. He desired to edify those around him and to build them up and to encourage them through his words and his deeds. You could say like Paul said to Timothy, he was an example of the believers. And he was therefore labeled the son of consolation, the son Amen. of encouragement. What about you? Are you known as a man or a woman? that lifts up those around you by your words and your deeds? Or are you only concerned about you? We fall into that trap sometimes. We get so me, 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 me centered that we don't think about anybody else. That's not the way Barnabas was. Or maybe even worse, you're not just only thinking about you, but you go to the other extreme and you tear down and you destroy and you are critical with your words. Right. Now, that's not Christ-like to begin with. That's like the devil who's out to destroy and to devour, and it should never be said about God's people. Truly, we must be seen as encouragers in word and deed. And 
you know, as I think of this, you know, there's two men that come to my mind, people that I know, people that you both know as well, Brother Winstead and Brother Byron Fox. If you've ever watched Brother Byron, I mean, Brother Byron is Barnabas to a T. I mean, that man, every word that comes out of his mouth is positive. Every word that comes out of his mouth is encouraging. I mean, my kids could be up here slaughtering the song while he's trying to teach them. Oh, you're doing good. You're doing good. Just try it one more time. Keep it up. <laughs> Why? Because he's a son of consolation. Amen. In word and deed, he's going to be encouraged. The same with Brother Winstead. Now, granted, I've been on to eat with Brother Winstead before and see him do things like stick his finger in the potatoes and say, Boy, that's cold. <laughs> Need some hot potatoes here. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, when it came to his handling and his dealings with me, that was a faithful man. He prayed for me. He encouraged me. I mean, I have no doubt that he played a great part in helping me stay on the mission field when we were there. Why? Because he was a Barnabas. Hey. He was a son of encouragement. And so listen, we need to be that way too. Through our character, through our conduct, we need to be encouragers of those around us. And especially, as I said, the darker the days get, the more we need to be that way. And it's not going to get any better, Christians. So we better just determine now, I'm going to be a part of this. With the rest of my life, the rest of the opportunity I have, I'm going to just be a light and an encouragement to those around me that they might live for God. Oh, boy, we need to be that. Amen? Amen. I want you to notice number three, that... I see here, uh, he also is an encouragement through his contribution. Look with me, if you would, at verse 37. It says here, um, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, this verse shows us that Barnabas encouraged, encouraged others through his giving as well. Now listen, folks, persecution had come to that early church. But the believers were thriving because of a spirit of, of unity and sharing that had permeated through their believers. And Barnabas here, a Levite, the Bible tells us, he sold a piece of property on the wealthy island of Cyprus and gave all the profits to the church. And I'm sure that this voluntary and sacrificial act of love blessed many in that church. Truly, one sure way to encourage others is to give to them food, finances, little gifts. Those are all ways to help encourage somebody, is it not? In fact, some people feel a whole lot more love when you give them a little something than any other way you could possibly demonstrate that to them. These all encourage those around us. The Bible tells us it's more blessed to give than receive. We should not be known as those who are grabbing, get, 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 all for me, me, me. We should not be known to be that way. But we ought to be known as generous givers. Amen. See a need? Fill a need. Amen? Why would we let a need pass by when we recognize that there is a need somewhere? Especially when it's amongst the brethren. We see somebody have a need, why wouldn't we take it upon ourselves? If we have the ability to fulfill that need, why would we not do it? Well, you miss a blessing when you do that. Oh. See a need? Fill a need, Christian. And I'll tell you what, 
you'll not only encourage their heart, you'll encourage yours as well. Amen. Be that good Samaritan. He gave of his time. He gave of his finances. He gave of his efforts to encourage and lift up and bind up the, the wounds of this downtrodden man. And listen, folks, we need to be like this, one with another, as well as those out in the community that may just need a helping hand, may need somebody just to show them a little love. For that is the spirit of Barnabas. You know, I've personally, I've had the joy of encouraging others and giving generous gifts uh, numerous times in my life. And I'll tell you what, it's a blessing. I've also experienced the encouragement of being the recipient of someone else's kind gift. And I'll tell you what, that also it is a blessing. It's an encouragement. It does encourage your soul. And so Christians, let us see a need and fill a need. Be that Barnabas, amen? I mean, even in the book of James where it talks about them having a real faith. Do you remember how it talks about the example that he gives us about not having a dead faith? He talks about seeing somebody in real need, and you, you basically say, be warmed and filled. Have a good day. Bye. And then he, tell, and then he proceeds to tell us, that's not faith. God. That's dead. Oh, may God help us to have a living, vibrant faith, a faith like that of Barnabas that is so willing to see a need and fill a need, to be generous, uh, that we might encourage those that are around us. Okay, notice as well, number four. I see here that he encouraged others through his commendation. Look at verse 26 through 31 of Acts chapter 9. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him to, uh, down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and, were, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Notice here the, the situation that we've got. The other disciples were afraid of Saul, weren't they? Then rightly so, right? I mean, he had just gone around persecuting. <coughs> he stood there while Stephen was stoned to death. He'd seen that these, these believers had seen all this happening. They knew what type of man he was, and they were afraid of him. They were scared of him because they knew what he was before he professed to get saved, and they were concerned he wasn't what he was saying he was. But Barnabas, what does he do? Maybe even some might think at the risk of his own life here. Barnabas comes along and just throws his arm around Brother Saul, and, and he says, he, he's, he brings him under his wing and he just commends Brother Paul and he lifts him up in the eyes of the other brethren and he shares this wonderful testimony of, of how Saul got saved and turned into Paul and, and how he's now preaching boldly in the name of Jesus. 
Boy, he just pulled him right under his wing. And he commended him before the brethren. I'll tell you, folks, truly what an encouragement it is when someone will speak on your behalf and praise you before others and lift you up. Truly, those words of praise, those words of encouragement, they are priceless. And I think to many, they are much more valuable than the, 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 the greatest financial gift you could give. Some people, that's all they want, those words of praise, those, those words of affirmation. So be generous, okay? There's no one in here that, that uh, uh, does not have the ability uh, to be generous with their words, right? Nobody in here is going to raise their hand and say, I'm bankrupt with my words. <laughs> Everybody in the building has the ability to be generous and gracious with your words. To lift them up, to praise them, to commend them. For that is the spirit of Barnabas. What about you, friend? Do you have this? Is this your attitude? Maybe I should ask, is this the way you are in your home? Uh-oh. Preachers getting personal now, right? What about it, wives? What about it, husbands? Does the spirit of Barnabas permeate your home? What about it, parents? You know, I've noticed that oftentimes, sometimes people, I mean, they argue and fight to get what they want out of somebody. You know what goes a whole lot further than arguing and fighting? Praising. Gracious words. Lifting them up. Commending them. I'll tell you what, if Jessica starts praising me and commending me, she can just about get me to do anything she wants me to do. <laughs> oh, look at that nice handsome guy. Boy, you're so strong. Boy, yeah, boy, I like the way you did that. I'm like, okay, what's next? <laughs> right? Aren't we all like that? Amen. And it's the same with my children. Boy, Sammy, you really did a good job on that tonight. Oh, yeah, you cooked wonderful supper tonight. I mean, that's great. I mean, you know what it does? It creates in them a desire to say, you know what? I want to do that again. Man. That's wonderful. That's great. I've got to do that again. You know what? That's the way we need to be in our homes as parents, as husbands and wives. We need to have that spirit of Barnabas to lift one another up, to commend each other. And you know what? It needs to be that way in the church, but even more so in our homes. Boy, it needs, it's important for us to have that foundation, that to be a son of encouragement in your home, because who do you spend the most time with? <laughs> like it or not, it's one another, right? Uh, amen. And so be that Barnabas one to another, as well as to those you meet in the church. Um, you know, there's a, um, I read this uh, the other day, there's a story about, um, uh, I can't remember his first <laughs> name, but the, the missionary Moffat. What's Moffat's? You probably know Vicki. Robert. Okay. Robert Moffat. Um, he had listened to a young preacher attempt one of his first sermons. And after a uh, few minutes of his poorly delivered message, the young man sat down, frustrated and dejected. As the congregation departed, the young man wondered if God had truly called him to preach. Just then, Moffat placed a comforting hand on the young man's shoulder. And spoke these challenging and comforting words, young man, you have the potential to be a great and wonderful servant of the Lord. Those words encouraged that young man, and he went on to be a great and mighty missionary in Africa. That young man's name was David Livingston. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, isn't it? Amen. You never know what your words of encouragement might do. Can you imagine if 
Brother Moffat came over that day and said, boy, you're just not cut out for this, David. You see what I'm saying? Our words are much more powerful than we realize. And God wants us to use them in a right way. God wants us to use them as a son of consolation, as a, as a son of encouragement. Amen. And so may we be seen uh, in being encouraging through that commendation. Amen. I notice also here that he was seen being an encouragement through his celebration. Look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 24. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he was come and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them, uh, exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Now, the early church had sent Barnabas to go check out what was going on in Antioch because it had been heard that, that there, there was this preaching going on and there's this great number of people that had believed. Now, in our modern churches, it's really unfortunate to me, but I see this permeate a lot of them. Even amongst our good churches, there is often a spirit of competition. Um, and we are quick to suggest, well, they are compromising or some other thing. Because we see them blessed and souls getting saved and we're not experiencing that or that growth. We're not experiencing that. They must be doing something wrong over there, right? But you know what? That was not the spirit of Barnabas, was it? When he saw what God was doing amongst them, he celebrated. Amen. He rejoiced with them at what God was doing. And that's going to be our spirit as well. I don't care where God does it. I don't care if it's Brother Trevor's church. I don't care if it's at, well, I wanted at Victory Baptist Church. Amen. But I don't care what church it's at. We don't need to be jealous. We need to be jubilant. Amen. Amen. We need to have the spirit that just rejoices with others at what God, the work that God is doing. They're not jealous, not envious, not covetous. You know, it's, it's sad, but I've seen it through the years, even amongst the missionaries on the mission field, oftentimes there was a spirit of competition. And it's discouraging. You're on the same team, right? Amen. And so if we're on the same team, our response ought to be the same as the response of the angels, which the Bible says... The angels rejoice in the presence of the angels. There's rejoicing in heaven over what? One sinner that repenteth. Praise God. Doesn't matter where they get saved. Just rejoice. Celebrate. Amen. Amen. So that's the spirit of Barnabas. Don't look to, to throw rocks. Don't uh, Because they've got something going on that you don't have going on. Don't, don't look to get jealous and, and uh, try to put them down or belittle them or... Suggest others some sort of thing and make it a competition. Just praise God that God's doing a work there. Amen. Amen. Celebrate that with them. That's a spirit of encouragement. Okay. You don't need to be trying to put them down and lift yourself up. Just have that spirit of encouragement. 
Notice also, I see here he was um, an encouragement through his cooperation. Look with me, if you would, at Acts 11, verse 25 and 26. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now notice that Barnabas here seeks after Saul, doesn't he? He seeks after Saul to go with him in this work. I can imagine that, that Saul here must have been just thrilled that, that Barnabas would even think to consider him. And, and so Barnabas seeks him as his co-laborer in this, this wonderful new ministry opportunity. And I'll tell you, folks, truly what an encouragement is to, to have others to want to involve you in ministry with them. That's a blessing to say, hey, I want you to be a part of this with me. Amen. Now, remember when we first called Aubrey back? I know Brother Darrell's met him before. I don't know who else here may have met Aubrey or not, but um, he was a missionary we originally went to work with in Ukraine. And when I first called Aubrey about helping with the work in Ukraine, boy, he was just thrilled. I mean, he was so excited, and he just he did everything he could to encourage me and assist me uh, all the way through deputation. I mean, at that time, I was just... A little over 20 years old I was extremely young and yet not a word of discouragement from that man I mean he just encouraged me all the way truly he was a blessing and an encouragement to me you know what he could have done he could have done like many others that I met along the road of deputation they said well you're too young you need to go learn more you need to you're not you've not been through enough college courses you need to go back to school and learn under all kinds of men you don't need to train just underneath your local church pastor that's not good enough you know i had people telling me that on deputation basically go home kid you're not ready for this you know what that was pretty discouraging in fact i can remember the first time i i ran into a pastor like that which is unfortunate but the people that did that to me were pastors the first time I ran into a pastor like that, I can remember going home that night, and it was really, it was, I think it was the first missions conference we had been to. We had been, to, I think, to maybe one or two other meetings before that, but this was the first missions conference. And they had me come up and preach, and boy, I just let it rip. I gave it everything I got, and he didn't like my style of preaching. He wanted me to be more teachy or something. It was more his persuasion. At that stage, I didn't really even know what the difference was. I didn't know how many different variants of independent Baptists there were. But he came and told me, you're not basically, you're not ready for this. You need to go to college and learn under a whole bunch of men. Learning at your local church is not good enough. And I went to my house and I got on my knees and I'll tell you, I was so discouraged. I thought, God, is this really what you want? The Lord just confirmed in my heart, he didn't call you to go to Ukraine, I did. And so I just pressed, I pressed on anyways just to do it because I knew that God wanted me to do it. But you know what? The words of that man, a pastor, I'm sure a saved man, were so very discouraging to a young man in the ministry. We've got to be so very careful with our words, folks. Amen. But I praise the Lord. You know, Aubrey, things didn't work out the way I wanted with him. I really looked forward to co-laboring with him in Ukraine. They left almost as soon as we got there. 
But boy, God really used him in my life during that time as we got ready to go to Ukraine and we did deputation. He just cheered me on and encouraged me and welcomed me with open arms to come over there and co-labor with him and his family. And boy, it was such a blessing. And I'll tell you what, it is such an encouragement to others when you are willing to get them involved in the ministry and encourage them in that manner as well. So Lord, let, let's have that type of spirit, folks, to be that Barnabas, amen, rather than that type of says, you can't do that. You're not fitted for that. I mean, think about that again about David Livingston. How easy would it have been for, uh, for Robert Moffat to say, Sorry, David, you're just not cut out for missionary work. I mean, you can't merely give a message. You just, I mean, you're not cut out for that, David. What, what type of great man would we have missed in Africa during those years had, uh, had he done that? Oh, may God help us to have that spirit that Barnabas had as he had with Paul. He sought him out. He encouraged him. He just wanted to get him involved in that ministry. Amen. I want you to notice also number seven. I got just two more things. We'll be done. I noticed that he was an encouragement also through his condescension. That, that word condescension refers to his lowering of himself, humbling of himself. And I see that in uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 45 through 52. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken of by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. But Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from, from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. The Lord hath commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and, many, uh, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now I want you to notice here that word condescend that I referred to, it refers to lowering of oneself. And if you study the book of Acts, you're going to find that Barnabas is always named before Saul in the scriptures. Acts chapter 11, 25. Acts chapter 12, verse 25. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 7. Okay, but then partway through Acts chapter 13, Saul uh, is then called Paul. And he started to take the leadership of the team, this missionary team. And in verse 46... The order now changes to Paul and Barnabas. And you know what? It remains that way throughout the rest of the book of Acts. How many of us would like that? We're in position number one, and God says, no, you get position number two. You know what type of humility that takes? That takes a whole lot of humility. That takes, takes an individual who's willing to uh, be lowly of mind like the Lord Jesus. And certainly we see that, that happening here in the apostle and uh, uh, in, in brother Barnabas' life. 
Truly, the spirit of humility, the spirit of, of lowering oneself, it, it certainly encourages those around us. Can you imagine watching all the other Christians at that time? They'd seen how, how, how Barnabas had brought Paul in and how Barnabas had taken him under his wing and how Barnabas had just done so much in helping Paul and now Barnabas is stepping to the side and Paul is taking the lead. I can imagine some might look at that and even say it's not fair, but... Barnabas humbly stood aside knowing what the will of God was in that situation. It was his job to encourage, not to lead in that ministry team. And he was very aware of that. Amen. And truly the spirit of humility and lowering oneself, it encourages those around us. I'm sure those Christians watching, it had to be encouraging for them to see this man Barnabas to say, you know what? I don't have to be number one. I just want God's work to be done. I just want God's will to be done. And if that means I'm number two behind Paul, so be it. May God get the glory. Amen. <clears throat> Truly, it's a blessing to work with those. Think about this now. Who are willing to serve wherever they are needed. Amen. They don't have to have the limelight. They just want to humbly serve the Lord. They want to accomplish his purposes. <clears throat> You know what's so very sad is that many in churches all across this country, they want a position. They want the praise. They want the limelight. And they're willing to do something for God as long as they get the recognition that goes along with it. But very few are willing to humbly serve in an unnoticed position. It's sad that people don't do that because you know the, the reality is when you do that, who are you doing it for? You're doing it for Jesus, right? Man. You see, such a humble spirit is the spirit of Barnabas. And truly such individuals are great encouragement to those around them. They say, you know what? I'm going to do this for the Lord and I don't care if anybody else sees it. I don't care if I get any type of recognition at all. Because I'm lowering myself. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. And so I'm going to just happily do this. You know, I can remember when we served in the youth ministry at, at Lighthouse Baptist Church in Lincoln, Maine, as the assistant slash youth pastor, whatever you want to call it, to Jessica's dad at that time. Boy, I did everything. Um, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't about me. I didn't want to come before the church and say, hey, I took out the trash this week. I'm all gone this week. I cleaned the church. No, it's just, preacher, what else, whatever do you need? Sure. How can I help the work of Man. God go forward here at this place? And many of the things that he had me do, you know what? Nobody else knew about it even remotely. Sure. And you know what? It didn't matter because I didn't do it for me. Amen. And I didn't even really do it for him. I did it for God. Sure. And that's the way it's got to be. You know, I'll, I'll pick on Marvin a little bit tonight because he's not here. But, you know, Brother Marvin does so much around this sure. church. Amen. And I can, I can tell you, the vast majority of it, you folks don't even realize. Right. You know, I see it because I'm here all the time. I'm always here. So I know when he comes in. I know when he leaves. The man is always trying to do something for God at God's house. And oftentimes, he'll put all kinds of effort into doing something. And it will make the place look better. And you know what? He'll come in and absolutely nobody even knows that he's uh -huh. done it. Nobody ever says a word. It's kind, of, it's kind of sad almost in a way sometimes when you think about it that way because he puts so much effort into doing right. it. But you know what? I know when he does it, he's not doing it to receive our praise. 
And he's not doing it to receive glory of men. He's doing it for the glory of God. Amen. And I'll tell you what, that's the way it ought to be. Because you know what, when you have an individual like that, doesn't that encourage you? Right. You see, you know what? They don't care if they get any benefit out of this at all. They're just doing this for God and for God's glory, humbly lowering themselves, even if it's a task nobody else wants to do and nobody else will even know about. I'm going to do it because I love the Lord and I want to give glory to him and I want to encourage others around me. And truly it is an encouragement. Um, so we see here through his condescension, he's a condescension, he's an encouragement. So we see here so far six things. Through his character, through his conduct, through his contribution, through his commendation, through his celebration, through his cooperation, through his condescension, condescension, and also through his compassion. Look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 15 and verse number 35 through 41. And this is the last one. After this one, will be done. Chapter uh, 15, verse 35 through 41. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Peter, uh, Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them, uh, departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the, under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now notice in this text that Brother Paul had no desire to have anything to do with John Mark. Because he remembered what John Mark had done. John Mark had turned his back and he jumped ship on one of their early missionary journeys. I can't even begin to imagine what type of hardships that might have put on their missionary team that they had to deal with because this young man said, I'm done with this. This is too much for me. I'm turning back. And so in essence, Paul says here, leave him on the shelf, Barnabas. We don't, want, we don't need to mess around with that. Because he already let us down once. We don't need that again. But Barnabas was determined, the Bible says. He was determined. He was going to get Mark. He was going to take John Mark. Man. He was going to make a difference in John Mark's life. And to encourage him and to help him get back on track ministering and serving the Lord once again. And truly, as we examine this, I'll tell you what we see Barnabas you know what? He was compassionate. John Mark didn't deserve that, did he? He deserved to be left alone after what he did to them that first time. But Barnabas said, no, I want to see God do a work in his life. And so he encouraged John Mark and he made a vital difference in that young man's life. Because uh, later on, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul then says, take Mark for he is profitable to me for the ministry. <laughs> Man. What a change took place, right? And it happened because Barnabas was willing to have compassion and encourage that young man, even though he had that trouble at the start of his ministry. He was willing to keep on encouraging him uh, to see the work of God continue in his life. The book of Jude says in verse 22, of some have compassion, making a difference. 
And I'll tell you what, folks, truly Barnabas' spirit of compassion and encouragement, it made a vital difference in this young man's ministry. And so John Mark was profitable yet again. Listen, Christians, I'll tell you what, this is the spirit that needs to be seen in us. And as I've said so many times tonight, the, the, the more we progress toward the coming of Jesus Christ, and it gets worse and worse out there, and it gets darker and darker out there, I mean, we need to be more and more like Barney, amen? amen? We need to be more and more that son of encouragement, that son of consolation. Oh, may God help us to have such a spirit of encouragement that we might make a difference in the lives of those around us, those in our homes, those in our ministries, those at the workplace and the community around us. They need to see in us a Barnabas. And you know, as I said to start this service, this is a ministry that every one of you can do. Everyone, even the young Amen. people here. You know what? You can be a Barnabas to your parents. Go think of that. I mean, you can even encourage your parents. You can be a Barnabas to your brothers and sisters. You can be a Barnabas to uh, those in the church. It does not matter what your age is. You are able to be a son of encouragement or a daughter of encouragement. And so may God help us to be like Barnabas, to have that spirit of encouragement that he had, that God may truly use us in these dark days, these difficult days, right? These discouraging days. What more do you need on a discouraging day? Yeah. You need a little sunlight, don't you? Would you be that sunlight for somebody else? Boy, it will make a difference. I know I've, I've had times where I've started visiting with somebody and boy, they were so discouraged. And boy, I just started, I just started praising God and I just started encouraging them and I just started sharing with them uh, some precious things from the word of God uh, with a joyous spirit. And I'll tell you what, before I was done, done, you know what? They were starting to get a little happy too. Hey. <laughs> Why? Because I decided, you know what? I'm going to be a son of encouragement. Man. May God help us. Let us stand to our feet tonight as the pianist comes to play. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, uh, the altar is open. Would you come and pray tonight? Maybe you just want to come and pray and say, Lord, help me to be that Barnabas. Help me to be that son of encouragement. Um, maybe you already have that type of spirit, but you just want to pray, God, help me to continue to be like that. Uh, because I'll tell you what, in these dark days, we need more than ever to encourage one another in the Lord. The altar is open. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, you come and pray.